0: of the message, uh, faith matters, and um, obviously we're going to be discussing matters of faith, but also faith matters. It really does. It truly matters, and it matters maybe more around the subject that we're talking about than at any other time. You know, for the past two months leading up to Easter, our focus has been on the Apostle Paul. He wasn't always the Apostle Paul. He was, as many of us know, at one point in his life, someone who despised Jesus. He did not believe. There was no question that he did not believe Jesus was Messiah. He believed that Jesus had made false claims and that he had, yes, he had followers, but that when he died, he died. And that was all there was to it. And so he saw actually people who were professing that Jesus was alive, if if I can say it this bluntly, he saw them as perverting the faith. He saw them as corrupting it. And in his mind, he wanted to have them removed or eliminated or silenced at the very least and of course we know what happens that Saul of Tarsus goes from being the preeminent opponent of the way of Jesus to having this what he says is an absolute stunning and unexpected confrontation with the Lord on the road to Damascus on this very road that he was going down to arrest more followers of Jesus he says it was there that he met the risen Savior and it, it, it blinded him for three days and it radically altered his life by the time he was done he had become a different man he went from hating Jesus to completely devoting himself to the cause of Jesus. And his story is not unlike the story of hundreds and thousands of people, millions of people, over time, who have been touched by the reality of Jesus and have had their lives transformed by his power. I say all that, though, to say this, that Paul has some things to say about life and death. And he wrote these words that I would like us to look at because they're initially going to sound pretty strong. And... Jarring, maybe in their own right. This is found, and you can look with me in your handout, in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 19. The apostle is writing this. Years, years have passed since he has become a follower, and advocate of Jesus. But um, he wants to make the case for something. He wants to make the case that everything that is connected to Jesus and everything that he said he believed and that we who would follow Jesus believe is dependent on his resurrection that's why easter is such a big deal look what he says he says if christ is not risen then our preaching is empty and he says and by the way your faith is empty it doesn't mean anything See, and, and on top of that, we're found to be false witnesses of God because we have testified of God. We said, look, he raised up Christ. And then if he did not raise him up, and in fact, the dead do not rise as well. And if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile, meaningless. You are still in your sins. None of this even matters. Though, Then also, everyone who's fallen asleep or died believing in Jesus, they're just gone. And if in this life, we, look, he says, look, I'll just put it bluntly as I can. If in this life only we have hope in Christ... This is the truth. He says, we are of all men. Actually, we are the most pitiful people ever. Now, it's no small exaggeration to suggest that the entire message, Christian message, rests on the resurrection of Christ. The apostle basically says emphatically that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, as he said he would do, and as his previously shaken followers, disciples ultimately believe that he did as well, because that's the only way to explain how they would ultimately give their lives away, testifying to that reality, if, if they knew it wasn't true. It's one thing to die for a lie. It's a whole nother thing to die for something you know isn't even true. But I'm going to suggest what Paul is putting on the board is this. He's saying, look, if Jesus didn't rise, he says, number one, just be aware of this faith in him is absolutely futile it's empty it's worthless it's completely incapable of changing or affecting our spiritual condition so don't even waste your time with it number two he's basically saying not only that if jesus didn't rise not only is the faith that we have in him meaningless he says um honestly he says and he's speaking of himself he goes we're just false witnesses we're just liars and deceivers and he says on top of that anybody who's believed in the promises of christ if jesus didn't rise then they are absolutely hopeless there, in fact, he says, if Jesus didn't rise and this is all there is, then this life is absolutely meaningless in and of itself. And, and he takes it one step further. He says, there's no hope and there's no promise. And, and so, you know, he goes, you just got to give up on the pipe dream. And then he says, and one, oh, by the way, one final thing I'll add to that. He says, not only... Is, is faith in Christ meaningless? Not only are we liars and deceivers if Jesus didn't rise, not only does that mean that this is the end and there's nothing more and no hope in Christ beyond this life. He says, You know what else? We are the most pathetic people in the world. He says, I, he says, I, I says, honestly, he says, If that's the case, then followers of Jesus are nothing more than deluded fools, worthy of nothing more than just absolute pity because we're believing in something that is, is not only untrue, but then on top of that, not only are we believing something untrue, we're ordering our lives around it. Now that I've made everybody really happy, all right, um, <laughs> I realize I've upped the ante big time. I have. Paul did too. Because the bottom line is this. If Christianity, if the way of Jesus, which just the way I like to describe it, because there's a lot of wrong that's been done in Christ's name, but if it's nothing more than a human invention, like a, a, a sedative, a coping mechanism, another kind of a drug, just another f- religious philosophy, just a different take on things, then honestly, it's hardly worth anything resembling passionate devotion and commitment, and it's certainly not worth suffering for or even denying ourselves over. I mean, that's kind of what Paul's really getting at here. He, he Again, he's nobody's fool. He's saying, look, if there's nothing to this thing, then don't waste your time. He says, it's not worth it. In fact, later on in the letter, you know what he's going to end up saying? He's going to end up saying something very interesting. He's going to uh, actually say in, that, in the 32nd verse, he's going to quote from Isaiah, and he's going to say, look, if this is all there is, he goes, the truth is, don't even bother with Jesus. He says, just eat, drink, and be merry, um, live it up as best as you can, because we're going nowhere, and this life really doesn't mean that much anyway. In fact, he says pretty much, whatever you do, anything that you really want to do, um, don't bother um, trying to be something that, again, I, I hope we understand this. He's saying, look, if, if there's no, if, if, if Jesus isn't risen, and if none of this is true, what Jesus is talking about, then don't even bother with the serving people, doing good. If you want to, fine, but if you don't, don't. It doesn't really matter. Who decides right and wrong? How do we define right and wrong? I mean, that's part of what Jesus is getting at here. He's basically saying, look, if, if this doesn't really have any weight behind it, and if Jesus didn't rise, then honestly, any way is as good as another. And that's really getting down to the point. It's almost like he says you'd be better off just living selfishly, or if something else makes you feel better, live that way too. And I think that's where actually a lot of people are. It's like, well, does it really matter? And who actually decided what was good and what isn't? And why should I do that? Does it really make any difference anyway? See, (laughs) I actually believe that part of the reason so many kind of give up on life is because they look at it and they say, well, is there anything that I can really absolutely totally depend on as being true? Now, look, let me take it one step further. If Jesus didn't rise, okay, if he didn't rise then I wanna suggest that the cross, number one, is nothing more than a, a, a tragic ending. Let's just be clear about this. We talk about Good Friday. <laughs> if that's all it is, it's not that good. Because if anything, if that, the cross, if, 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 if Jesus didn't rise, then it's actually not good Friday, it's bad Friday. It's not good at all. It's just a tragic ending. To maybe what was a potentially noble life, but it was a bad ending. It was very bad. To be utterly forsaken, to be stripped down, basic naked, to be, to be pinned up on a cross next to two thieves, to die so shamefully, so ignominiously. It, to be worthy of contempt, to have your enemies spit on you and laugh at you and deride you, to have your body shredded. For what? If that's all there is, that's no victory. There's nothing there. If Jesus didn't rise, by the way, here's one more thing. <laughs> he's, he's just been a, another teacher with no real And I mean another teacher. I mean just like a number of any teachers with no real authority. His teaching doesn't really have the ability to carry weight. And we must certainly, by the way, reject his claims um, as the definitive revealer of truth. Because you cannot... Ex- you, see, people say, oh, he's a good teacher. Well, if he didn't rise like he said he would then actually he is not a good teacher, and I'll tell you why. Because he claimed to be things like the Son of God. And then that leaves us this third piece. If he didn't rise like he said he would, and that's why Easter is such a big deal, is because then we have to question, listen, his essential sanity, absolutely, and his ethical consistency becomes debatable. In other words, here's why. Because of the stunning claims he made about himself. I hear people say, oh, I like Jesus. Do you really? Because check it. Did you, did you see what he said about himself? Do we understand that? I lo, I lo, look, I'll put it this way. Think, look at John 9. I'm just going to throw a couple examples up there. Check this out. This is what he said about himself. He was talking to a man who had been touched. He said, do you believe in the Son of God? John 9, 35, 37. He says, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, well, who is he that I, I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and he is talking with you even now. Later on, he said this in John 10. Therefore, my father loves me. Why? Because I laid down my my life. Now think about this. I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes my life from me. I want you to know this. When I die... It will look like that, but that's not the case. I am yielding to it. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down. And if I lay it down on myself, then I tell you I have the power to take it up again. That, now, look in your handout. Look in John. It says this in John, look what he said in John 10. Look at this. He says, look, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Look what he claimed to do. He said, I give them eternal life. That is a life beyond this life, a life now and a life yet to come, a present reality and a a future reality. He says, I give them eternal life. That's what he promises. I will be with you, and then you will never perish. Death will not be the final word over your life. No one can take you. If you walk with me, no one can take you away from me. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. I tell you, Jesus said, speaking of God, my Father and I are one. And once again, it says the people, look at this, picked up stones to kill him. They were about to throw stones at him and kill him, murder him on the spot. And Jesus said, at my Father's direction, I have done many good works before your eyes. You have seen them. For which one are you going to stone me? And look what they replied. We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy, for lying about God, because you are a mere man and you claim to be God. Do you see that? Later on, Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot get to God except through me. He would say, I am the bread of heaven. Come down for you. And if anyone will eat of me, they will have life eternal. Look, here's the thing. Jesus then would forgive sins. He claimed he had come down from heaven. He said that if people believed in him, they would live forever. And I'm going to suggest that the fact is that Jesus made some incredibly, listen, it could, no matter where we are, Jesus made some incredibly radical polarizing statements that are either true or they're not. They're either true or false. He said things. In other words, people say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, I believe. Do you? Do you really know what he said about himself? There was a man who, even though he wasn't quite like Paul, he influenced a generation very significantly. He didn't start out as a follower of Jesus. In fact, he was an atheist. He called himself an atheist. He was a professor at Oxford later at Cambridge. He was a friend of someone who you'll know, or at least you'll know what that person wrote, because the author of The Lord of the Rings, Tolkien, invited this man, C.S. Lewis, to come and investigate Christ. And he went from becoming an atheist, an unbelieving man, to what he called what himself to be the most reluctant convert ever. He says, they brought me kicking and screaming into the kingdom. But he said, I found my way. And later when he said his heart opened up to Christ, this man of tremendous brilliance opened up his life. God had given him a unique gift, and it was the ability to write words. Words that have the ability to transcend even a, a time in a, a time in, that oftentimes captures words and doesn't allow them to move into another generation. But C.S. Lewis's words and the way in which he talked about the the relationship that a person can have with Jesus, his creative mind, his imagination, the gifts that God gave him, allowed for him to help a lot of people come to saving knowledge in Jesus. But one of the things he talked about was his classic book. It's called Mere Christianity. Just what Christianity really is. And in it, he makes a statement. Because I remember even in my own life when I was just beginning to really get serious about following Jesus. I was um, in high school, and I had actually read a very small little book it was called more than a carpenter, and in it, the author Josh McDowell talked about how Jesus could not be simply just a man and a good teacher. That he really didn't leave that option open. He was building off of something Lewis had wrote. I asked them if they could give you this, and you have one. I want you to see it. I'm going This is a part of um, this book, little book. Uh, you know, marker, which is just designed to, you know, for us to just remember it, Mark Easter morning 2014. But on it is a portion of C.S. Lewis's A Mere Christianity. I want you to look at it with me in light of what we've just been saying. Look what he says. He goes, Look, I'm trying to prevent anyone from saying the honestly, the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. What he needs, and he says, This is what it is that I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great teacher. Yes, I, I agree he is a great teacher. But I do not accept his claim to be God. That is the, and and he says, that is the one, and Lewis says, that is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. No, I tell you, he would be either a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be far worse than that, the very devil from hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God and else, or else he is a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him the Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He really has not left that, that option open for us. He did not intend to. He did not intend to. He said things. And I thought, you know, Lord, on this Easter, we talk about the resurrection of Jesus. I, I feel like it's so important for us to actually decide that, you know, this is either, either Jesus meant exactly what he said. And his death was simply a pathway to life. And he is the answer for a, a broken humanity for every one of us. And in him, we have a promise of life beyond this, beyond this one, a home yet to come. That is a great promise. Because At some point, all of us will wrestle with our own mortality. I know it is the delusion at times of youth to think that we will live forever, but we will not. And these earthly tents of ours will betray us someday, even the best of us who have the best, highest levels of nutrition and exercise nonstop. (laughs) We may delay time. We may fake out time. But we will ultimately have to leave this world. And Jesus talked about how There is a home beyond this life. And if you walk with me here, you will walk with me there. Be not afraid. We're going to talk about that. And I understand a lot of us struggle with doubts. Faith does not always come easy. It didn't come easy for C.S. Lewis. That's the irony. It didn't come come easy for Paul. There was a fight going on between Saul and God about Jesus Remember, he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. Why are you fighting me? Finally, I surrender. Sometimes God calls us. I don't believe anybody is here by coincidence. You know, God can handle honest doubters. Jesus didn't chase, uh, Jesus did not, you know what? Jesus had far more room for honest doubters than he did for self-righteous hypocrites he he actually created space for them of course the classic example of an honest doubter actually is connected to Easter it's connected to the resurrection remember what happens after the disciples are all hiding out they had run for their lives not one of them had any intention of dying for Jesus they were just scared to death he told them you'll all flee me every one of you Peter's case, he had denied him. Not halfway, all the way. Judas betrayed him to the core, already killed himself. The disciples are hovering. It looks utterly hopeless. They have nothing to look forward to, but broken dreams. And out of that, the risen Christ comes. And when he appeared to them, when he talked to them, he he reminded them of all that he had said and all the scriptures foretold. And he said, it's not an end, it's not a dream. And then it says that one of the disciples though, wasn't there. You read about it in John 20. The one we call Thomas, we know his name. Thomas was a man of sincere words. If you look back and study the life of Thomas in the Gospels and you'll notice, he doesn't say things he doesn't believe. And what happens is they say to him, he was the only one of the disciples, excluding Judas, who was not gathered with the other believers after Jesus had died so brutally on the cross and been put into the tomb and it was sealed and there were two guards from Rome there who if they, if they were in any way slack in what they did would give up their lives what happened was Jesus rose when he did he, the Bible says he appeared to the disciples except Thomas wasn't there we're not told why you read it in John 20 it just says he wasn't there so what happens is they come back when, when they all get back together Thomas shows up See, a lot of things can happen when we don't go to church, right? And so, he, when Thomas shows up, Thomas shows up, and they say, he said, what happened? And they said, well, you weren't here. You missed it. He's alive. We saw him. You're not going to believe it. And he goes, you're right. I don't believe it. I believe you are deluded. I believe you want to believe it. I believe that you believe that you saw him, but you didn't see him. And in fact, I will tell you this. Unless, and I want you all to hear this. This is basically what Thomas says. Unless, just say, unless I put my finger, got it? In the nail prints in his hands. I'm talking about putting it right there. Um, uh, Unless I can put my hand in the side where you saw the spear go in and pierce him, unless I put my hand in his side, I will tell you what, I will not believe. I don't care what you guys say. And I know you want to believe, but I don't believe. I am no fool. You know what happened? It says eight days later, I don't know how it all. There's, the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus are impossible to sort of order. They're they're sporadic, and, and I'm not going to say chaotic, but they they have they he will he would appear at times and then not appear. He would time and space. The way Jesus was before he died and rose, which is by the way interesting, because it gives us implications about what the next life will be, and the Jesus after resurrection, the, the time space things that were binding him were, were very different. Uh, he it says that he appeared eight days later to the disciples. This time, Thomas is there. Jesus says to him, Thomas, Thomas, peace be to you. Oh, Thomas? Do you want to put your finger in my hands? And, and Thomas says, yeah, I, there's no way I can do the moment justice. My Lord and my God. And Jesus says, Thomas, do not be unbelieving, but believe. Because you have seen, you believe. And then he, he shoots the arrow through time to all of us, every one of us who would follow. He says, Thomas, because you have seen, you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. It's powerful. Well, isn't that like just blind faith? I don't think so. I don't think so. How do you, you can't put love in a test tube, but you know when it's there. Can't, can't see the wind, but I can feel it. I, <laughs> I maybe have never touched Jesus I've felt his touch. I've heard him whisper my name. Oh, you're making, oh, yeah. Changed my life. I've watched a lot of people's lives radically changed. You know, oh, by the way, Jesus invites us to believe. Do you believe that I am the son of God? That's what he said. Look what it says in Romans 10.9. I want us to see it. This is Easter. I really want us to see this with fresh eyes. Romans 10.9 says this. We put it up. You want to know how to be saved. You want to be right with God. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, look at that, and believe believe that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is like, okay, do you see what that's saying? Because it's telling us something. Okay, I'm going to just put this up, set it out there, consider it. Look what it's telling us. Number one, faith in faith is not enough. So what are you talking about? You know, I run into people all the time. I used to do this more, it happened when I was in school, it's happened when I'm in coffee, it's just, I talk to people. And I, you know, of course, I'm not trying to be, I don't wanna be obnoxious at all, that's not my goal. If, if it happens, it's certainly not my intention. And I'm trying to be very respectful of everyone, but it, inevitably what will happen is if you, if you love Jesus, you eventually, you're gonna talk about him. Never seen anybody say we love somebody and then we never talk about him. Are you ashamed of Jesus? Jesus said, do not be ashamed of me. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God on the salvation to the Jew first and also the Greek to everyone who believes. But I remember I'll, I'll have conversations with people. And I don't say this derisively, but in the, in the context of the conversation, uh, I'll, I'll hear someone say these words and it's not uncommon. And I probably would have said them myself, oh, you know what? That is so cool that you believe something like that. I'm really happy for you. (laughs) That's great. Everybody has to believe in something. Whatever it is, you can believe in this, you can believe in that. You know the key is that you have something that can get you through. And I listen to that. It's almost like what I'm hearing is, so as long as you've got like this medication that can get you through life Because you're not strong enough to handle it without it. I get it. That's your crutch. No big deal. It's your coping mechanism. No big deal. Whatever works for you, that's fine. Hey, it's okay. But I'm going to... Can you hear me when I say this? I hope you hear my heart. I don't mean that arrogantly. But I'm going to say this. I'm with Paul in this regard. If that's all this is, then give me a pass. I'd rather have real nothing right i would then something unreal and made up i would i don't want it i don't want it according to jesus in the bible just having a faith a belief system is not enough it's it's not enough to say oh i believe in something i believe in god yeah 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 no no it's who and what we believe that matters at the end of the day that's what jesus taught us then we can decide we don't believe but everything rides on that it does secondly i'll just put it out i'm not going to take a lot much longer but let me put this up because we've just read about it. Hear me out before you run me out, out of here. The cross is not enough. Faith in the cross is not What are you talking about? Come on off that stage, you know. <laughs> Notice that verse does not say, if you confess that Jesus died, right, died um, on the cross because he loved you, you will be saved. Now it's, I know he died on the cross because he loved me. That's my favorite, the great verse. But you know what? That's not enough. Because the cross without a resurrection is nothing. It is empty, worthless, and meaningless. All the things that Jesus said, if that's all there is, he said, look, I am going to die, but I am going to give my life away, and I can bring, and I can take it back. I am going to die for you so that you may live. I am going to pay a price that no one can ever pay. That only God could pay his own self. That he has come among us and he is me. And I will give myself away that you might live. He who became, knew no sin became sin, that we might be made right with God. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said he had come to do. I give my life for you as a ransom for many. I know you don't understand what I'm about to do. But he says all those things that have been happening in the Old Testament, all those sacrifices, all the things, they foreshadowed the ultimate act of God where he would come and be one of us and give himself a way for us, a bridge to life. That's what I'm talking about. That's what Jesus talked about. So when we say that I believe in the cross, that is not enough. The the confession of him as the risen Savior is the key. And honestly, that brings me, and when that happens, when that really happens, because if he's not the risen Savior, listen, he's either a dead liar or worse. We cannot have it both ways. I know, I just upped the ante big time. But that's what Jesus said. If you believe that I am he, I am the resurrection and the life. No man, no man will die if you believe in me. That was what he said. He invites us to receive. He invites us to believe. And the last thing I'll say about it is this. When we truly believe, when we truly confess him as our Lord and Savior, and, and you know what, for some of us, by the way, and I'll just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Some of us, Easter 2014, will be the day that we made a decision to confess Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. It will be this day. And one of the things I had asked them to do is I said, you know, if if after service, if you guys could get a few people from the prayer team to just be at each of the corners. And I said, if anybody wants to come and mark this moment as the day that they confess Jesus and as their Savior and their Lord, that I believe, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that I want to honor that. Some of us, I said, if someone needs to recommit their life to Jesus, then after service, just be available before the day goes on, and make room. And if someone wants to come, just pray with them, very modestly but sincerely, ask for prayer and pray together, and and open your heart to Jesus. I said, just so if if some of if some of us wanted, to, if some of us feel like this is my day, do it after service. But the last thing I'll say is this: when we really follow Jesus, stay with me on this as I'm closing with it. It's going to change how we construct our lives it it it's going to affect the way we build the way we live the way we love the way we talk it is it's going to affect the way we talk it's going to affect the way we act the way we forgive the way we treat one another the way we get the way we struggle with certain things and learn how to wrestle with God about them it's going to affect things it's going to affect you know what i'll tell you this this is not just following jesus is not just an insurance policy oh yeah I'll check that box because, just in case it's true, I want that box marked. (laughs) Cover myself. Yeah. It's not meant to be an insurance policy. It's meant to be a mission statement. It's meant to change the way we live and love and grow and become and get ready, not just in this life, which is so good to have him in this life. Oh, boy, what a friend we have in Jesus. But also in the life that is to come, both and not either or. It's going to affect things because he has the words of eternal life. (laughs) Peter said, when everybody was leaving Jesus at a crucial moment, Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, are you also going to leave? I get it. I'm not so popular right now. Peter said, in one of his finest moments, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And then he backed it up. And that's why we're celebrating. So we'll pray. We'll close with a song that connects to that. But I'm going to go ahead and we'll have our time again. But I'm going to pray right now. Lord, I, I thank you. I love you. I, how blessed to be here on this uh, Easter. And if nothing else, Lord, some of us may say, this is the day I want to just open my heart to you in a fresh way. Other of us may say, oh, Lord, I, 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 did, I need to refresh my mind about why this day means something. Otherwise, it just becomes a religious moment, and I and it's gone in, you know, what, 60 minutes or less. But if we allow you, Lord, to be our true Lord and Savior, if we can say with Thomas, my Lord and my God, if we can be one of the blessed ones that Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. May we have your life, Lord. Give us faith. Give us eyes to see. Remind us that you have given your life so that we might have life, the undying life of Jesus, the undying life of God, both now, in this life, and in the life yet to be. We thank you that you have risen. We thank you that you're alive. Be alive in us, we pray, on this Easter day, in Jesus' name, amen.